This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Rolling Stone Music Now. Today we're going to talk about Bob Dylan, Nobel Laureate. We're also going to talk about new music from Bruno Mars and Mary J. Blige. But first... And that was a little bit of 24 Karat Magic, the new song from Bruno Mars. I'm here with Brittany Spanos to talk about what we're listening to in the office. What's up, Brittany? Not much. How are you? All right. How you doing? So I'm hearing a little bit of Uptown Funk in this mm-hmm. Bruno Mars song. How are you liking it? How's it wearing in? I'm really glad that he's sort of continuing with the more irreverent and fun funk of Uptown Funk and sort of that Mark Ronson influences carrying over and I love when Bruno's having a little bit more fun with his music and you can definitely hear that in 24 Karat Magic all for, the way through. For people who don't remember uh, or don't aren't Bruno Mars people, Uptown Funk was probably like the biggest song of the last two years. It was his song with Mark Ronson, mm-hmm. super disco oriented. This one's like a little more, it's actually got strong like kind of early 80s uh, hip hop influence, old school hip hop. Yeah. yeah, definitely like golden era of hip hop in it. Um, lots of disco and early funk and it's just sort of all fused together and still sounds really fresh the same way Uptown Funk did when it came out. It does it doesn't feel like too retro or too far off from right now. I think I'm I, I maybe it's just because I've heard it like fifty times, I'm probably <laughs> still inclined towards Uptown Funk. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like this one might feel a slightly more forced, like he's trying to do like a catchphrase, mm-hmm. like keep up. You know, but uh, you know, maybe if I just listen to it thirty more times and it's as huge, we'll we'll all be loving it and living for it. Definitely. Uh, you also wanted to talk about the new song from Mary J. Blige. Yeah, she um, just released this new song called "Thick of It," which is co-written by Jasmine Sullivan, who recently actually appeared on the Frank Ocean uh, visual album, and so um, now she's working with Mary J. Blige on this incredible, beautiful song about sort of the end of a relationship and trying to get through the thick of it. And it'll be on her new album called Strength of a Woman that's coming out later this year. Love ain't just black and white. Ain't that simple? It's hard to tell who's wrong or right. When it's dark with us, I swear I barely see the light. That's classic Mary J. Blige material. And I'm sorry for her to hear that she just uh, split with her, her husband of a few years, which yeah. is... Obviously, bad personal news, but probably pretty good for her music. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like that, when Mary J. Blige has this subject matter, she just goes with it. I, I'm liking this song. I've just l- listened to it for a few times, uh, for a few times. But um, the 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 bed of it sounds kind of like like old Philly soul, like stylistics almost. Yeah, and definitely one of her most passionate performances in years um, as a vocalist on a new record. Um, she released her album, The London Sessions, two years ago, which is her most recent one, and that was a lot of experimental with. So experimenting with house music and working with Disclosure and Sam Smith. And this is, it's nice to get back to. Yeah, that couldn't be more different. Yeah, the queen of hip hop soul is totally back with this new song. We'll get ready. Brittany Spanos, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Oh, God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Babe said, man, you must be putting me on. God said, no. That, of course, was Highway 61 from Bob Dylan, who just won the Nobel Laureate. He is the first musician, of course, the first rock musician to ever win that. I'm here with Andy Green. Hi there. And Brian Hyatt. Yo. 
We're going to talk about what this means. I mean, how how big is this? I don't know. I mean, like, just for people to understand, well, this has gotten a lot of attention. It's been like the yeah. front page of the New York Times. I think to put it in context, we need to understand is he is, you know, the first member of the Traveling Wilburys to yeah. the Nobel Prize. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, you know. How did Jeff Lynn feel, feel about this? We were saying that, that Jeff Lynn is was a finalist for, you know, a Nobel in layering acoustic guitars, but, <laughs> but it, it just, you know, he hasn't quite made it yet. Yeah. Right. I I'm a bit surprised by the reaction to it. It's been like it was like the biggest news story of all day yesterday. There was like eight New York Times stories about it. It was everywhere. It was all over my Twitter feed. Just people are going crazy. He's the cover of the New Yorker. They did an illustration, and it's funny because actually, like this old debate about whether like rock music is literature has come up, Mm. which is which kind of surprised me. I mean, like, do you guys take a like? There actually are some people saying like, well, maybe it's not appropriate for a a rock musician to make uh, to win a Nobel Prize for literature. I, I think. Listen, the most valid argument I heard was, you know, there's a million ways for musicians to be honored and that Bob Dylan in particular has been honored a million ways. But there are so few prominent prizes for writers of of literature and that basically he took up a spot that could have been for, you know, a million people who are, you know, novelists or poets who didn't who you know, don't get Grammys and don't get a million other things. And and I, to be honest, I, I, I sympathize with that argument. That's the right. one I, I do sympathize with. Right. Like Don DeLillo is never going to be on the Grammys. So uh, why should Bob he was, Dylan? I mean, his, his Bruno Mars duet last yeah. year was, was awesome. But yeah, it didn't, you know, it, I don't think they're having him back. Uh, so so that, that's valid. That said, I mean, you know, and then the, there's this also this issue, like, do the lyrics stand alone? Do they stand alone, Andy? I think they do. I think a lot of them, they can be read as poetry. And he's not just a lyricist. He has books out. I mean, he has Chronicles, which was an amazing book. Would you I please mean, recite the, the, the lyrics of the song Wiggle Wiggle, but unaccompanied <laughs> by, by music? That's no, surprisingly, I mean, I, like, creepy, that song. I, I, at the end, it sort of flips I, into a snake. I, I agree. I, yeah. You know my whole theory about that song, yes, which yes, is yes. it's actually about the, the snake in the Garden of Eden. But yes, anyway, so anyway. but there you go. But anyway, I, I, yeah. I think, actually, you can make that argument. And I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan like you guys. But the fact is that this is not... This is not music that was made to be read. So in the, if you want to be like a real stickler and say this is a Nobel Prize for literature, you know, you just go back to the Steve Allen thing, you know, of like reading rock <laughs> lyrics aloud. And most of Bob Dylan's lyrics would hold up to that treatment. Yeah. But the fact is that these, you know, rock lyrics were made to be sung. They're made to sound good together over music. And, and so you, if you want to be really technical... I, I think you could make a case against this. I guess, and then but the other point that um, the 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 Nobel Committee made was that there are there's a long tradition of literature that's meant to be performed. Not to get too academic, but you right. know Homer and, and and Shakespeare and stuff. No one would say they're not lyrics, but all that stuff it's was like performed. yo, you got to hear the Homer. Yeah, without uh, you know without Homer's beautiful tones, how do you even know you know? <laughs> but so, Such a loss. So, so I guess so so I guess that is actually a pretty powerful argument, and, and yeah, I guess right. I guess they con and listen, you know, I think the biggest argument in favor, I was thinking, and maybe it's just a very simple thing, is think about anyone else who put words together, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in the past, whatever, 60 years, who affected more people with their words, affected more lives, affected society more than Bob Dylan. I mean, you have individual lines that, you know, change people's lives, you know? I mean, so on that level, sure, right? There's nobody who's quoted on the same level, at least in a certain generation, you know? There's no high school yearbook has ever, yeah. (laughs) And by Supreme Court justices, even, in recent years, have been quoting him. I mean, he's everywhere. The interesting thing is, 
to contrast that, the fact that he is now a Nobel laureate with <laughs> the continuing existence of sort of Bob Dylan sort of contemporary semi-contemporary rock musician like that he that yes he was in the traveling wilburys he made you know he was in bad movies he was in commercials for victoria's secret yes he was right. he was the night as someone uh he did a kaiser permanente <laughs> ad too right the drug company people forget it's, that that's yeah. A, yeah yeah i mean that, that that's the yeah there's a lot of jokes about he's the first Nobel laureate since whatever to do a kaiser permanente ad yeah but, yeah. but i mean so he's it's the more you know about Bob Dylan, the more there's this sort of ironies and humor of this yeah. come in because you know it's like it's like you know how many other Nobel laureates had like their their sort of like bad leather jacket eighties phase you know it's just it's just kind of and synth like like how many other Nobel laureates made their bad synth album in the eighties although Empire Burlesque will defend it whatever it's but, but it's a good album the production piece of music yes I love that album um, but but it's just fast you know how many other Nobel laureates were you know were other than as I said Kenny Loggins were on the <laughs> We Are the World sessions you know it's just an amazing well, thing on you know the very day that he got it yes. he put a casino. In Las Vegas, <laughs> which yeah, was also in Cosmopolitan in, in Vegas on the night of the announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, <laughs> here at the Cosmopolitan Nobel laureate Bob Dylan. Oh, so many firsts, so many firsts. Yeah, and on the stage, he said nothing about it. Of course, there, there wasn't one word said. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. We sit here stranded Though we all do our best to deny it Imagine, like, all right, somebody's visiting from Mars. Like, what are the songs that, like, you hold up for Bob Dylan uh, as, as, as the ones that, that get him the Nobel? Are there, are, do you guys have, have ones where it's like, okay, that's it. Drop, right. drop the I mean, mic. I think if you go early, you go with Hard Rain, say, Gonna Fall. It was a monumental work. And then sort of like the more druggy ones like Visions of Johanna that are more stream of conscious but are brilliant. I would say, you know, blowing in the wind. Just, I mean, to be very simple, I mean, the times they're changing. I mean, if you're going to go back, and I think if he had, listen, if he had died in 1970, God forbid, Mm -hmm. you know, I think people might have less of a problem with this. Because I think some of what I was saying is the complications of Bob Dylan existing in the present and doing all the things that, (laughs) you know, that, that, that he ends up doing while trying to kind of make a career in the commercial world of music tend to complicate this. But the truth is, is I think if you just look at even, you know, stopping in 1975 or 1970, my God, I mean, you know, there's so many things. Yeah, Visions of Johanna, uh, uh, Tangled Up in Blue. I feel like Visions Um, of Johanna was one where it just started to feel like he was becoming like frayed around the edges in this awesome way. Like I felt that was like another gear for him. 
I mean, right. how many people have sat around thinking about the, you know, the ghost of electricity howls in the bones of her face? Which, which, by yeah. the way, last night I, I, I thought <laughs> that maybe I figured that out, and it turns out that it's, the, it's the most simple and ridiculous that he's just saying. In the lamplight, you can see she has great cheekbones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I decoded. I, where's my noble? Like, like, like it's like it you could know. be like that Biggie Smalls thing where people translate his lyrics. Right. You know, like you could just translate. Yeah, <laughs> but she looks good in the light. <laughs> but it is definitely worth noting that some of his best songs, I think, are of the past twenty-five years. I think that I think "Time Out of Mind" and yes. "Love and Theft." The, Things have changed. Yeah, Mississippi. Are, yeah, yeah. Duquesne whistle, although, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, so somebody was saying, oh, when's, is, is Kanye going to get a, a Nobel Prize? And, I, and the, for, for some reason, the first thing that jumped in my head is like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't write a lot of his own lyrics. And then, of course, what I, th- you know, because he, he has a committee yeah. process. But then the next thing I thought is, oh, uh, neither does Dylan in many exactly. cases. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's <clears throat> written 90% of songs Of course, of course. And so, so probably, it's probably the ratio is probably the same for him and Kanye. Yeah. Um, is but, Jack London going to get a shout out for the, the <laughs> Dylan ceremony? And, uh, or, and, and who else? Who were the other poets? And I mean, who were the poets oh, that he? Some, that he like, uh, oh, well, there yeah. was Henry Timrod of the poet laureate of the Confederacy. I mean, Andy, could you just explain for listeners at home like what we're talking about with Jack London and Henry Timrod for people who don't? Yeah, the advent of Google Books was a real hit <laughs> to Dylan's reputation because you could search just any sentence from his book or his past two albums and find the source, you know, of it. So there's a lot from Ovid. There's a lot from the super. Obscure poet that's named, that's named Henry Timrod that wrote about the glories of the, of the Confederate States of America. Ouch! And in Chronicles, he stole a ridiculous stole. He borrowed, appropriated, he appropriated uh, yeah. a Paid lot, tribute. a lot, a lot of lines from obscure Jack London works and Time Magazine articles and all sorts of stuff. But he has songs that were out in the '80s where most of the lines are from are from various Bogart movies. Well, I mean, you kind of lose those in the Swedish translations. Like yeah. maybe the Nobel. <laughs> and then on Love and Theft, he took a obscure Japanese novel, The Confessions of the Yakuza, and just full on took like these are right many lines and. Unlike most of the stuff he did, they weren't public domain. He could have been sued. The guy um, was very happy that. I think yeah, he was, right. he was yeah. honored. But in recent years, he's taken a different method, where he sort of, on some songs in his book, especially, just sort of grabs from various sources and combines it into a unique fusion of words. A booyah base. Yes. <laughs> well, geniuses steal. That's what they say. Well, he called the album "Love and Theft." He was being very explicit. This is stuff I love. This is stuff I stole. It'll be interesting to see leading up to the actual prize, which which happens when? In December. Yeah, whether there's more kind of looking into but see I wouldn't call it plagiarism I really no, wouldn't I, I think it, and is he, he had a funny thing is he, he was basically like you know I, I won't do the voice I'm tempted yeah. to do the voice but no. I, I, uh, <laughs> he, he was like you know was like Tim Rod's been sitting there like I don't see you doing anything with Tim Rod we all have access to these same materials but we can't write the lyrics that are on love and theft I mean he has a unique eye and he spots things it's just a different methodology I think back in the 60s, he would stay up for days. He would take amphetamines and write out like a million lines. You know, this is a different process. Is there anybody else in pop? We already talked about yeah. Kanye. Is there anybody else in this realm who you guys think have a, has a chance I to win a Nobel? that Leonard Cohen at some point might. Leonard Cohen. Dark, I think he's dark horse. I, th- I think realistically speaking, when you look at the fact that an American hasn't won the Nobel Prize for Literature since Toni Morrison in, I think, 94 or something like that. 93. Yeah, you're right. So... 
no one is this is never going to happen again. It's not. It's never gonna we'll be wow. lucky if an American if, if an American novelist ever wins again at this rate. I mean wow. I mean you're talking about you, you know, you, it's I mean the the, the Nobel Committee, because I've been reading about this, is you know, they've said that American literature is uh, as a whole it's and it's actually awesome to take this like outside perspective. They're they're like they're basically like American literature sucks. They're basically <laughs> as a whole. They're basically like American literature is cloistered. Uh, it does. I was this is like basically a quote. They said it's cloistered. It, it, they don't read enough in translation, so they don't know what's. Uh, go- I, of course, I'm accepting myself from this. I, I read everything in translation. Oh, but, yeah, but, yeah, but the, where but the, is but the, the Carl Ove Snosgard? Yeah, yeah, right, I'm sorry, right, I butchered so, his name. Yeah, of so, America. Snosgard. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new band, actually. But but so anyway, so they 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 generally think that American literature itself is bad. So it's actually, some people have interpreted this as a slap in the face of an American uh, novelist, etc. At the Philip Ross of the world, they'll be like, but like you know what, you're not up to it, but this guy is, right? You know, so it's it's, it's an interesting thing there. And, and the right. other the other interesting thing is is what what like don't try to be like the European writers, just be your kind of fun American selves yes. playing your pop. Actually, music. let's dig into that for a second because. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's interesting is, or actually one of the best ways to see this prize, is that it's shared by Dylan with his sources and influences. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like, it's, it's honoring the entire kind of essence of Americana. For, so, so it's honoring, you know, Robert Johnson. It's, uh, it's honoring Woody Guthrie. It's honoring Odetta, the, these curators and writers and Tim keepers. Rod. And yeah. yeah, well, yeah, sure. And Tim, and, and our friend Tim Rudd. Um, this is the London. most, this is the most airtime Tim Rudd has ever gotten in, in a modern medium, by the way. We should do an all Tim Rudd uh, episode. But, um, that's the bonus. <laughs> yeah, the bonus. Yeah. But, but, uh, it, it, but I mean, I think that's, you know, it, it's, I think that's a powerful way of looking at it. And I think actually, if you look at, uh, Dylan's speech, uh, which Rob Sheffield pointed me back to in his excellent piece about why Dylan deserves the Nobel Prize. Last year, Dylan did a speech at this uh, Music Cares event, and it was an uncommonly revealing speech. And what I took away from it when it was released was, wow, he's because he it was this kind of fiery speech. It was a little like the Michael Jordan Hall of Fame speech where you kind of take on all your detractors. And that's what I, I focused on the and, first and, time. And people who didn't even know that they were his detractors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, who was wait. the Tom's... It was Tom T. Hall. Tom T. Well, yeah, well, he he attacked Merle Haggard. Uh, yeah, he, he compared shocking. Merle Haggard unfavorably to Buck Owens, <laughs> and like a poor Merle Haggard just must not have known what the heck was going on. Yeah. He thought they were on good terms. They had toured together. Yeah, uh, he and, would have sequeled and, one of his songs. Yeah, yeah, and it was, well, I thought we were cool, and uh, and Dylan just went off on him. So that, yeah, that, and th- those were the most entertaining parts of the speech. And, and Bob also, uh, you know, he basically took on critics. It turns out as we've been hurting his feelings, not we, but people have been hurting his feelings when they say he, he croaks like a frog and, and can't sing and stuff. Right. He was like, he was like, they say I talk through my songs. What about Lou Reed? Why me, Lord? Like that was literally oh, yeah. what he's saying. You know, he was saying that I, and it, he had a funny thing. He basically was like, they say I torture my melodies, and then he said that he. He had heard at a boxing match, he had heard someone sing the national anthem. Um, he said it was like an R&B singer. And he, he was very funny. He said that basically he was describing like the American Idol style melisma stuff, like just like really stretched out notes and like, you know, all, and, and he said like, like she was singing like every note there was and some there aren't or something yeah. like, and it's like, and, and just basically this idea that, that like, why does, why is that okay? But his attempts to like alter his melodies are not okay. So all that was interesting. But, so this was all the kind of, that's what I noticed last year because there was so much kind of juicy and hilarious stuff in it. But reading it again, what he says explicitly, and this is, and I'll preface that by saying this is someone who used to pretend that his songs came from nowhere. He used to pretend, I mean, he acknowledged his folk roots, but for example, he never acknowledged reading, you know, say, 
French poetry that that people that people actually would claim he was influenced. He's like, no, no, I never read any of that stuff. I'm just like a miracle. And then and there's throw, a story. I'll just throw yeah. in. Yeah. It's interesting. And this is someone who never has admitted to reading any of his press either. Who clearly does. <laughs> That's a clearly great point. reads yeah. everything. Yeah. So, so, so you know, and and there's a there's a story uh, of an old friend who who looked <laughs> while. Dylan was basically claiming to be an ignoramus who had somehow manifested this magically. They went, they went to his bookshelf and saw like very carefully underlined French symbolist poetry. So he's, he was completely full of it always. Yeah. But in this speech, what he did was he acknowledged the deep, deep influence of the kind of weird, old weird America basement tapes folk anthology music on him. And he, you know he recited the lyrics to I think like John Henry and songs like that. And he's like. If you sang that enough times to yourself, you too would write, you know, blowing in the wind. It was basically yeah. like this thing that he was absorbing this stream and then spitting out a slightly, you know, it's, it's like uh, he dives into this stream of American music, of country, of blues, of folk, and then comes up with new manifestations the, of it. There was you know? a, yeah, there was a, like a little bit of like what was amazing about Chronicles in that speech and that like, oh my God, he just explained this whole stretch of what he does. Right, you know, right. So, came from. so I think hopefully, and I don't know if he'll give a speech uh, at the Nobel Prize. I know, yeah. I know we should know this. Do, yeah. do, are you allowed, do you give speech a speech I at the, the Nobel Prize? Do do you think he's happy about this? Is there any chance that he doesn't oh, even care? He's thrilled. <laughs> well, it comes. It does. I mean, not to. Uh, but he does come with a million dollar prize. I, I should note. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yes, nine hundred fifty thousand dollars. Which I'm Bob sure likes money. That's he does like money too, clear. and he yeah. likes prizes. He likes recognition. Um, I hope he can give a speech though. The Swedes won't know what hit them. I, w- I would love to think that his his reaction was a mix of. That's pretty cool. I've been acknowledged for, you know, because it basically means that, you know, in 100 years, in addition to everything else, he'll be the only songwriter who won a Nobel Prize, which is, you know, in the sweep of history will end up being a big deal. But the, but the, I would love to think that part of that was like tinged with annoyance, like, oh, God, I got to go to the ceremony. Right. Like, it's right, like, right, right, like, right. Like, <laughs> there's like a 0.1% chance he doesn't care, a 99% chance he's yeah, like thrilled, I like guess, a, a 1% chance he's like, oh, about time. Yeah, maybe I, love it. I suppose that he seemed happy at the Kennedy Center and he brought his mom to that. He seemed happy at the White House when he got, and he yeah. got the Medal of Honor. He's so, happy. So he's happy. Be happy. And we're happy for him. Well, Andy Green, mm-hmm. Brian Hyatt, <laughs> Thanks for coming on. No problem. Stay tuned yeah. for the coverage of uh, Dylan's Nobel Laureate <laughs> in Rolling Stone and RollingStone.com. And that's it for Rolling Stone Music Now. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on the iTunes Store or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.